We'd be open to your word and, and, that, and we'd be transformed as we, as we behold wonderful things from your, your word. God, just uh, um, lead us in this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been going through the book of Galatians uh, expositorily, uh, verse by verse. And um, this is the conclusion of that. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Galatians. We're actually going to we're, we're hitting the, the end of chapter 5 and uh, chapter 6. Today, but when I started the series, uh, I uh, said that I read the 615. It said, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And that was like the, 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 the point of the whole gospel. And, and I, I wanted to get to that, that uh, verse because <clears throat> I, I see that verse as as really the defining verse. It, it sums up the entire message of the book of Galatians in, in just a few words. And, and the point of this whole series is that you'd understand that verse. And, but I have to, you know, I only got through 5.12, so I have from 5.13 all the way through the end. So just to make sure I cover that verse, we're actually going to start at the end and work backward. We're going to start at the end of Galatians and work back through uh, chapter 5.13. Actually, I just saw it as a, as a good way to organize the talk. And and the whole book of Galatians, just as a summary, uh, chapters 1 and 2, I see as, as the context. Paul introduces himself, gives the, um, his authority to speak into their lives, kind of uh, explains the relationship that he has with the church. So the, the book begins with the context, introduces the characters, if you remember, in chapters 1 and 2. And then the conflict is introduced in, in chapters 2 and 3. And, and um, Paul kind of exposes or explains the conflict between the gospel that he preached and the deception that the Galatians had bought into and what he was um, um, coming and correcting them about. And then it continues on after the conflict. Then there's a call. Paul calls them into something. And we see this in chapters 4 and 5. He calls the Galatians. And God calls each and every one of us, all true uh, Christians, followers of Him, into our true identity to live uh, who we really are as uh, new creations in Christ. Following that is the section that we're going to get into today is the consequences, uh, chapters 5 and 6. And that's the outworking of whether we, we respond to the call and live the new life or, or not respond to the call and continue to live in the flesh. And there's consequences. And then the end is the closing. Isn't it great? They all start with C. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the closing chapter six, eleven through late eighteen is is Paul restating the main point, and it includes a personal note. And obviously, in a, in a series like this, we can't touch on every little detail. It'd be great, but that's what commentaries are written for. <laughs> so Galatians six, eleven through eighteen. I'm going to read it um, in the New King James. This closing section says, See with what large letters I have written to you in my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. Only that they may not, be uh, they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. 
And then this is it. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For now on, uh, from now on, let no one trouble me. Now that's my personal verse. <laughs> I went, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> let no one trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, be with your spirit. So the main verse we want to look at is... Um, 6.15, I just thought to look it up in a, in a different translation. In the Amplified 6.15, uh, uh, puts it this way. It says, For neither is circumcision now of any importance or uncircumcision, but only a new creation, the result of a new birth and a new nature in Christ Jesus the Messiah. <clears throat> For neither is circumcision... Read this again in the Amplified now. Of any importance, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, the result of a new birth and a new nature in Christ Jesus the Messiah. What's important now? What matters now? What avails? What gives you the advantage? What prevails now? Is it circumcision? Is it uncircumcision? He's saying, no, it's completely the wrong point. What matters now is new creation. And this new creation is a new nature and a new birth in Christ Jesus the Messiah. This is the main point. It's summing up the main point of the whole book in one verse. And I want us to understand what this means. And, and, and I've taken time to explain the implications of circumcision and, and how that ref, uh, reflects. If you missed the earlier messages, you can listen to them online. The point is, you know, if Paul's saying circumcision doesn't avail, it doesn't really matter, let's not talk that much about what doesn't matter. Let's focus on what does matter. All right, and what does matter is what really means, what really makes a difference in our life, and 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 the and the product or the accomplishment that Christ accomplished on the cross was this new creation. Say new creation, new creation. New creation. And just, just for a minute, let's compare the difference between circumcision and new creation. And circumcision is, uh, you know, it really does uh, connect to a, a particular ethnicity and nationality. It was something practiced by uh, the Jewish uh, people. And it was in its season, in its time, required of God and right. Okay? But God <coughs> has is no longer requires that. That was meant to illustrate something that was fulfilled in Christ. Something bigger, something grander. Okay? It was gender specific. Paul says earlier in this, in this book that the kingdom of God is not gender specific. It equally applies to male and female. Um, it's not of any one nation. Circumcision is outward. It's natural. It's legalistic. It's done something because of the law. Where new creation is about something that's universal. Alright? It includes something that's to all nations. It applies to all of humanity. It's something that is um, uh, inward. It's not something that's done to our flesh. You know? It's, it's something... I mean, literally, circumcision is something done to your flesh. And God's saying, no, it's, that was just a picture. Yeah, it's a poignant picture. 
But the reality is something that is even more powerful. We're supposed to cut away the flesh of our heart, it says in, in one place in Scripture. Natural circumcision is, is natural. It's done with the hands of men. You know? But new creation is supernatural. It's done by the Spirit. It's not of the flesh. It's of the Spirit. And so there's a radical uh, uh, departure or new direction. And Paul's saying, don't go back to that what was old and what we've been set free from, but, but look, it's about new creation. Uh, okay, Galatians 6-10. through 10. Let's read that and then we'll kind of tie this in a little bit. It says, let him who is taught... Again, that's the main point. I'm kind of working back how these other aspects tie in to being a new creation. Let him who is taught the Word share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Well, this is actually the ending of the, the section that I kind of subtitle as the consequences. And he, he has some of these consequences of living right and, and behaviors that we're supposed to take on. Um, but the main thing I want to kind of zero in on is this principle of sowing and reaping that's introduced here. And in one sense, kind of on a surface level, you could almost say, well, it seems contradictory. <clears throat> That, uh, um, you know, that, that we're given uh, grace and it's free and we're set free. But here there's a principle that we reap what we sow. Uh, and that there is, uh, and he's, he's actually saying that there, he's explaining that the, 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 the um, theology or the principle that's at work in that there are consequences to our actions. And the consequences are because of this principle of this law of sowing and reaping. Uh, in other places, you know, um, it builds on rather than contradicts what he teaches earlier. Uh, Galatians 2.16, uh, Paul wrote, says, or when he studied this earlier, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we believe in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Okay, so his main point, he's been drilling all along, is that by works, you're not made right. Okay, and in Galatians 3.11, it says uh, that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So no one's made right by, by, by doing just the right things. Nevertheless, or built upon this foundation is also the truth that you reap what you sow. Alright? Being justified by faith does not mean that our behavior no longer matters. That would be the misinterpretation of, of, of the whole book. <laughs> Let alone the book of Galatians. What it means is that by faith... In Christ Jesus, we enter in to this new creation. We're recreated. We're made right. Okay? We really are. 
By faith, when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, something supernatural happens. And it makes us a new creation. It doesn't just mean what we do doesn't matter anymore. You know, the idea of oh, it just doesn't matter doesn't change the world, doesn't change the life, doesn't change anything. Are you hearing me? Okay, it matters. In fact, what you do matters more because now you are an ambassador of Christ. You represent Jesus Christ in the world. No law, what this is saying is that no law, even God's law, is able to fix the brokenness of mankind. It just doesn't work that way. It requires something more, something far greater, grander, something more drastic. How many have ever been present at a birth? People describe it as wonderful. <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> it's bloody. It's, pardon me, smelly. It's scary. You know, sometimes it's easy. We never had an easy one. We had four kids. I was here for all of them. And birth is intense. You know, especially with one of our kids almost died. And some people, lots of people do. There's a, you know, new birth. This is something radical. It's more than, it's far more. That's what I'm saying. You're a new creation. A law isn't good enough. You need to be recreated. And that's what God accomplished in the work of the cross. It requires in Christ through faith we're born again. We're new creations, and we must live as such. The work was finished in the cross, finished on the cross. But we have to daily carry our cross and live out our lives as new creations in Christ. How? How do you do this? You know, I try to get down to the how, and it's by believing it. It's by believing it. How do you stop practicing a sin? It's by believing that you're a new creation. How do you, we know this as evangelicals, we know that the only way to salvation is by believing what Jesus did on the cross, paid for the penalty. It's that act, uh, that, that response to the truth that yes, we believe and confess with our mouth that moves us from eternal damnation into eternal right standing with God. How do, we get free from sin. It's the same thing! Is that we believe that that act frees us from sin and empowers us to live right. And as a new creation, if you're practicing a sinful behavior and you say, I just can't stop. I can't overcome this. Alright? What are you really saying? If you're saying, I can't, you're really saying, I don't believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is able to set me free from this. And really what it is, is that you're choosing to stay in a sinful practice because really you're a new creation. And how do you, change, how do you see that worked out in your life? You believe 
And so if you see something that is contrary, you see some of the works of the flesh going on in your, in your life, you go, wait a minute. That is no longer me. That is not me. I am a new creation. That's a lie. That's part of the old. That's been buried and crucified. I am set free. I'm free from that. And you daily confess that and profess that and your acts will display the demonstration of your faith. Sowing and reaping is not about getting justified. Justification is finished in Christ. But as new creations, if we return to carnal, destructive behavior and beliefs, there will be consequences and they may be perilous. Alright? Uh, Galatians 6.8 says, He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Who do you reap corruption from? Is it God? What does the Scripture say? Hello? What does it say? He who sows to the flesh will of the Flesh. Oh, so is it God punishing you? <clears throat> no. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh, you will reap what? Corruption. And if you sow to the Spirit, you will of what? Of who? Of the Spirit. Reap everlasting life. Listen, corruption comes from the flesh. It's not even a punishment of God. It's the, out, it's the fruit of fleshly behavior. And you, it's very significant, the saints, to understand this. And no one ever is exempt. Everyone has issues. And we're faced with continual temptation. All right? And we must identify what is flesh and realize that's no longer who I am. And I'm set free from that. And I don't want the corruption that comes through that. And so I choose to live in the Spirit because I want that abundant life that comes from the Spirit. I love it. Everlasting life. It doesn't say it comes from us. It's not like, oh, if I do good, then I can earn good. No, it comes from the Spirit. When When we take of the Spirit of the Spirit, from His infinite resources, it brings life, everlasting life. And that is not just eternal life, but life that abundant life that's promised in Christ that begins now. Are you hearing me? You understand? Alright? So when you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh. In other words, those consequences are going to come back through a fleshly system. And God can set you free. Sometimes even of the consequences. Sometimes we have to endure the consequences to wake us up or to remind us of how significant it is. God wants you and I to be free. That's what it's all about. And He's he's done everything He can to bring us into a new creation so we can live free. Galatians 1-5 through Uh, 6, 1 through 5 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Um, uh, considering yourselves, least you also be tempted. Bear one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself or herself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Again, uh, 
Paul is talking about how to respond to people caught in uh, uh, practices or works of the flesh or behavior uh, patterns that are destructive. And, and, he's, and he's kind of addressing some, some specifics here and how to relate to one another in a Christian community. And uh, the main thing I want to pull out of this section is that when we're dealing with someone else that's struggling with a sin or, or, or dealing with an issue, uh, the goal is always restoration. The, the purpose of our interaction, interaction with those individuals is always to see them come to a place of freedom. Right? It's never about punishment. There's a, there's a misunderstanding about the role of punishment. Uh, God, you know, Jesus took all the punishment. Consequences, reaping uh, the, the, the um, fruit of sowing to the flesh is not punishment. No more than hitting the ground if you step off a building is punishment. Really. It's like, well, he stepped off the building. You know? In fact, God probably, God does do everything in His power to keep you from stepping off that cliff. But people, I see it and I've done it in my own life. I know it's a cliff. I know I'm going to hit the ground. But you know, there's issues in your life that you struggle with. It's not punishment, it's consequence. Are you hearing me? Right? And, and Paul says when you're dealing with someone that's caught in a trespass, it's always to the purpose of restoration. Restoration does not mean tolerance. It doesn't mean I'm okay, you're okay, you can live that way, I can live my way and everything's right. No, that's not what that means. Okay? It means I love you. I want to do everything in my power to see you set free. But what you're doing leads to corruption. And you're in bondage. And I'm, I'm going to take the risk and risk our relationship to tell you that. And if it means you reject me, I'll be waiting. It's okay. And you do it in a gentle way. Because you're, you're probably doing something else that you don't see. <laughs> you know, so treat others as you'd have them treat you. Restoration is not condemnation. It's gentle, carefully bearing with others' issues, knowing we are equally vulnerable in hopes of seeing them come to freedom because we're all pursuing that same freedom. You're pursuing it. You believe it for them. And you know it's not who they really are. And so if you, <clears throat> you know, if you, excuse me, <laughs> change of topic. I just have a sense, you know, if, if you say, oh, so-and-so is such a, such and such. And they're a believer. You've just sinned. If, if that's a, you know, they are, they're so carnal. They're so self-centered. Or they're so, uh, um, um, they're all, you know, they're so angry. You know what? That's rejecting the truth that they're a new creation. And I challenge you. Rather, they're caught in the deception of anger, and it breaks my heart. Man, that's not who they really are. You see the difference? It doesn't dismiss that they're an angry person. 
but it points out really what the problem is. And, and, and in our relationship with that individual, if we just say that's who they are, we write them off. And we do an equal, if not more, serious sin in doing that. And we put ourselves in a box as well as putting them in a box. So we, we, we go to them, restore in, in a spirit of gentleness. We need to help one. Uh, okay, listen here. Verse 2 and verse 5. Anybody notice? Bear one another burden. And in verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. You know, okay, they're a different word, but they both <laughs> interpret the same way. Bear one another burdens because everybody's going to bear your own burden. Is he contradicting himself? You know, on the surface again, it, it sounds like it. But I think it's a simple truth. We need to help one another, but in the end, we're all responsible for our own stuff. Right? That's pretty easy to understand. Right, this is what I've been wanting to teach on the whole time. I'm finally getting to it. Verse 19, actually 13 through, but we're going to start with verse 19 through 26. And uh, <clears throat> of chapter 5 it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also work in, walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This list is well known. It's a comparison. Most people memorize the list of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and that's good. But you can't overlook the works of the flesh. Because Paul is writing to believers, challenging them, saying you can't practice these things. Because if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You are walking contrary to the kingdom of God. You're getting further from God, not closer to God. And they're, that sowing and reaping that he talks to next talks of next is that if you if you sow to the flesh, if you sow into these types of behaviors, you will of the flesh reap corruption. It's destructive, folks. It decays your soul. Sin wounds your soul. Sin wounds your soul. What's this a little sin? Oh, you know what? You ever have a sliver? This is a little sliver. My boys get a sliver. I do everything I can to get that sliver out. Why? Because of that scary bacteria. <laughs> Flesh-eating bacteria. <laughs> no, even a little sliver 
if not cared for, can turn into something, an abscess, and can hurt, it irritates, but it can get infected seriously. Sure, it may be a little sliver. Don't. So many Christians walk around ridden with little slivers and little sins. Yeah, no, I don't have the victory. Duh. I, I feel like God doesn't love me. All you feel is pain. Yeah, it's because you're self-inflicting. Sin wounds your soul. And all of these sins, the list of the flesh that's, that's listed here are like drunkenness. Well, I'm, 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 I'm not an alcoholic. No, but you got drunk last week. You were under the influence of a spirit and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't have a problem with someone having a beer, having a glass of wine. But there's a strict difference between uh, having a drink and being drunk. And we all know that difference. And drunkenness is a work of the flesh and it's a wound to your soul. Right? And repeated practicing that, a lifestyle of that, can lead to destruction. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. And every one of these, lewdness, adultery, fornication, Listen, there can't be tolerance of this in our lives. There can't be tolerance of pornography and lingering. And now in our day, I mean, man, I remember. I remember as a kid, and this may date me. I remember Johnny Carson show. Remember Johnny Carson? Yeah, he's man. I love Johnny Carson. I remember once when I was a kid, he showed an advertisement from a French television channel for uh, women's underwear, right? And it was like, can you believe this is on television? All right? And that is, that was, I mean, it was like nothing. Uh, I mean, it was nothing in comparison to what is on billboards in our country today. All right? The standard, okay? So just because the society is at a place of debauchery doesn't mean that we can live more like them. No, we have to shine as lights. You can't allow any of that. Why? Because it wounds your soul. It leads to corruption. (sighs) The fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, the fruit, it's the works of flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Work is something that that we do with our mind or our hands, our actions or our thoughts. Fruit is something that originates or comes from something, an effect, literally the fruit of trees. And it can be translated that which is plucked. Okay, you just grab it. In the spirit, you can pluck from any of these trees whenever we desire. You can just pick some love and some joy. All right. And the consequences of 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 sowing into Love, joy, peace, loving kindness, uh, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's everlasting, abundant life against which there is no law. You know what that means? There is an unlimited supply. There's not a limit. There's no limit to the level of love, the measure of love or joy or peace or self-control or long-suffering or gentleness or kindness. There's no limit to what you can have. There's no limit. And, it, and, it, and, the, and, the, and the and the result, the consequence, what it produces in you is everlasting, abundant life. 
Is this really a hard choice? And why do we try to figure out how much we can get away with in the flesh? How much corruption and wounds are we willing to tolerate? Instead of saying, how much joy can I have? How do you get joy? Well, you just, you just walk up to the tree. I, I grew up, I was blessed with, an, uh, we, I had, we had an orchard. It was a lot of work. <laughs> Trimming the branches and carrying that. But I loved walking out and being able to grab an apple. And there's nothing like an apple fresh picked off a tree. Right? And cherries and pears and all kinds of things. It's, and that's what it is in the Spirit uh, for all of these things. Listen, when you eat of the tree of life, who's, what's, who's the tree of life? Jesus is the tree of life. In the Spirit, you are recreated. You're born again. And in a spiritual or figurative sense, you're placed in a garden where you're free to eat of all of the trees. These trees of the Spirit, they, they have fruit called loving kindness and gentleness and joy and peace and long-suffering patience, right? A self-control. You can eat of all of that stuff, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Keep eating from the fruit of the good trees and you'll have all the good you ever need. All the good you ever want. Are you hearing me? You can eat of those trees unlimited. But there's another tree, that good and evil. You still will know good, but you're going to mix a little evil in there. It just leads to corruption. Okay, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. For Only do not use the liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For all of the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, this is verse 13 through 18, Beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Just walk in the Spirit, and all the lusts, the desires of the flesh you will not fulfill, because they're crucified, they're put to death in Christ. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish, the things that you truly are, the life that you are called to live, your new identity. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Listen, this call is summarized here. He, he talks about it more in the earlier passages, but he summarizes that we're called to freedom, we're called to liberty, but don't use that liberty as a way to gratify your flesh. Right? You can! And there is a struggle. Alright? I love that the call uh, is that you were called to love. And love is, is there's two words that, uh, that describe it. To, to love and to serve. It says, but through love, serve one another. It's kind of, it may be stretching a bit, but it kind of appeals both to the feminine and to the masculine aspects of our lives, right? That love, that tenderness, the want to nurture, but also the serve, the honor and duty. And, and, and we wanna, we, we're willing to serve. And that is the that type of love is what we're called to, and we can live a life of love because we're free from the, the passions and the desires of the flesh that, that lead us into corruption. We can love, and in doing that, we fulfill uh, all of the law. In verse sixteen and eighteen, he talks about the flesh and the spirit lusting against each other. And I've heard people talk about, try to talk through this theologically and, and kind of make it as though it wasn't real. I don't know about you, but it's real in my life. There's a war 
and we're in the middle of it. The struggle is real. Don't, don't be deceived. It's, it's okay to have struggle. But the consequences are real too. The consequences of corruption are real, but the consequences of freedom are real. Well, I'm five minutes over already. Talk to my wife. She's got a great illustration. If you like nursing stories, uh. <laughs> a patient that was gangrenous. I almost finally have to do it. All right, <clears throat> maybe next service. All right, so it's real. The struggle's real. The consequences are real. But <clears throat> so is the freedom, and we're called to be free. And we can walk from freedom because we don't live in sin. Listen, you don't need a law if you don't practice sin. And you don't practice sin because you're a new creation. And the lust and the desires of the flesh, do not they've been crucified. Are you hearing me? So it doesn't, the law is, it doesn't mean anything. Because you're a tree that bears good fruit. Are you hearing me? And so when you, when you live your new identity, you're gonna, and you're eat, and you're led by the Spirit, and you're eating abundantly of the fruits of the Spirit, your life is gonna be Spirit-led. And issues of sin and law is almost like, well, of course I wouldn't do that. That isn't so, yuck, you know? And that applies to every aspect of our life. And that is what new creation, listen, new creation is meant to unravel outward. From our innermost being, affecting all of our own life and the lives of those around us. And then it, it's to affect our communities, our societies, eventually reaching ever outward until the whole earth and all of humanity, everything associated with being human becomes clothed in the Spirit, full of the fruit of the Spirit, free from the corruption of the flesh, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. All right? That's the fulfillment of this new creation. It starts in your heart, but he really is talking about the whole of creation being renewed. The planet, the universe, every aspect of creation. For you to enter into that kingdom of that new creation starts with that decision in your heart to be obedient. In Jesus. Amen. <laughs> All right.